There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Stocks for beginners. You know, we're going to look back at this era of new investors in the market and how they got into the market. We're going to learn lots of things. We're going to know some positive things. I think the democratization of markets, that's a good thing, of course. But then I think we'll also look back at this era and go, wow, people were led down the wrong path. There were so many scams. There were so many opportunities out there that were lost instead of making an educational one for investors. It's not gambling. It's not gambling at all. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello, and today we're doing something different because I'm having a chat today with another podcaster called... Stephen Lerner. And Stephen Lerner, you're from the Early Bird Podcast, is that correct? That is correct, the Early Bird Podcast and Newsletter. And thank you so much for having me on, Phil. Appreciate it. And thank you very much for having me on uh, your podcast as well. It's uh, great to collaborate sometimes. You don't feel so alone. Well, no problem, Phil. Thank you so much for joining us on the Early Bird Podcast. Welcome. And welcome to the Stocks for Beginners podcast, but uh, let's not piss in each other's pockets too much. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about the podcast. Tell me about your podcast. Yeah, so Early Bird Podcast. It is the companion podcast for the Early Bird Newsletter. The Early Bird Newsletter is a daily newsletter that comes out every morning. It's stocks, it's cryptocurrency, it's equity crowdfunding, three minutes or less every morning you wake up. It's the first thing that you read as a retail trader. It's going to help you that day in the market. It's simple, it's easy to read, and it's free. So that's what Early Bird is. And this is the companion podcast that comes out every week. It's a 20-minute episode where, unlike the newsletter where it's very quick hit and we give you the information that day, the weekly podcast is going to focus more on an in-depth subject because it's a longer conversation. Okay. And and for me, Stocks for Beginners is my podcast. And we were talking online about what the story is because I've got a podcast called Shares for Beginners and one called Stocks for Beginners. And that's because just over three years ago, I started a podcast here in Australia called Shares for Beginners. And um, it took off very quickly, unexpectedly quickly. And I think it was because shares was in the name and people, when they put shares into their podcast app, that was the first thing that came up. And so I thought, why not have a crack at the Big Apple at um, the United States? So I created one called Stocks for Beginners, where I got um, many guests from the United States on. And that's been growing as well. And it's, it's actually fantastic that I can be here in Australia, in Sydney, currently in winter, I might add, which is very cold. <laughs> well, actually, not as cold as what it's going to be for you next winter up in the, the Northern Hemisphere. I heard, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be very cold. But um, it's just incredible the kind of people that are willing to come onto the podcast and talk stocks and talk investing and trading and giving lots of good advice to people who would otherwise have no knowledge of where to start. You've been doing that for some time in the podcast, right? Three years, three and a half years, yeah. Three and a half years, an amazing time to be doing a podcast, especially on investing. The market has changed so much. Three years ago, less than three years ago, we were talking, it's a bull market. Everything's going up. Not so much this year. 
That's an interesting time. And this is something that I've um, been finding. I've actually, I've got so many guests on and it's like investing in the age of inflation and hearing all of those different (laughs) perspectives as well. Are you finding that as well, that that's kind of the topic du jour? Yeah, it's inflation. It's the growth stocks going into crypto. It's the decline in crypto prices. They're all kind of, you know, linked to one another. Early bird started last year and it was such a different time. And what a difference a year makes. Investors at that time were treating it, I don't want to say like gambling, but they were treating it, you know, without care. And now there's a lot more tension. But I do think the bright spot is a lot of new investors. And we've had millions of new investors since the pandemic started. The bright spot is that this is an opportunity to educate themselves. And the next time we do have a bull market, this new cohort of investors, I think, will be more prepared. They won't be going into the meme stocks anymore. They'll be making better decisions. They'll learn fundamental analysis and technical analysis. And along the way, you have podcasts like yours and mine that'll be really suitable for them as they're beginning their journey as investors. It's interesting as well, the number of guests that I've had on who are of a different generation and they're battle-hardened investors. They've been through the global financial crisis. They've been through the tech crunch of the early 2000s, some even through the 1987 crash. And to hear their experiences and what it was like for them, the context is completely different in so many ways, though. The 87 crash Well, there's only very, very small amounts of electronic trading. There were still pieces of paper going across the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And I remember hearing one guest saying about that they didn't actually clear all of the paperwork of the day of the 87 crash until almost two days later because they actually had to physically write down all of the trades. And these days, I don't know, it feels a little bit different. The crashes and the movements, while volatile, happen so quickly that they can correct much more quickly as well. I don't know. This is the feeling I'm getting when I'm watching, say, the S&P 500. It's like one day it's up, one day it's down. One day it's up, one day it's down. But it's it's like this long, slower trend. And then when it changes, like in March 20, it's a very fast upward movement again. This is just my impression from the outside. And I'll just preface this by saying I'm not an expert in any way, shape or form. Yeah, we are not financial advisors. Definitely seek out a financial advisor before making any big decisions with the stock market. You have a very popular podcast. I'm sure your listeners reach out to you from time to time. This year, with the stock market being in the state it is, what are they telling you about their situations? I think what I'm hearing from my listeners is still everyone wants a tip. Everyone wants a shortcut. Everyone wants to know the easy way to invest. And again, not being a financial advisor and not being qualified for this, what I'm trying to say to them is this is not an easy game. It's not something that you can just take up overnight. This is something that you've got to learn. It's like learning a new language. You're not going to learn it in five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The best investors in the world spend many years educating themselves, learning, because there is so much to learn. You mentioned fundamental analysis. You know, some of the best investors have a fundamental approach. One of the things that I've learned and from one of my guests is to have a checklist. And um, I just wanted to speak briefly about the checklist. Sure. Sounds important. Absolutely. It is. It is important. And the thinking behind it is, you know how sometimes people from different industries get together 
and they realise that they can learn something from the other industry or other area of expertise that they can apply to their own area of expertise. And this is where a surgeon was talking to a pilot and then realised that a pilot doesn't do anything in the plane until they go through a checklist. And in surgery, they didn't have a checklist. And there's a book about the checklist, and it's just very important. And then this investor has taken the ideas of having a checklist. So when he does fundamental analysis, he's going through a checklist where he's worked out these kind of metrics in the company balance sheets and reports that he sees. And at the end, it spits out a score that says whether he thinks it's worth investing in or not. And this is very much a Warren Buffett-based value investing approach, although he does have one little aspect of technical analysis in there. And I know that you're very interested in technical analysis as well. So talk to me about technical analysis and what it means for you. Yeah, I really don't follow too much technical analysis, but I know that for a lot of retail investors, it's becoming more of an important thing. I focus more on fundamentals. That's just how I kind of look at things. My preference is always going to be at a value stock. A lot of the investors who have been hurting recently from the growth stocks, that's not me. I'm not one of those. I will say, though, that this market right now, what's really striking me as interesting is you're seeing a lot of the pandemic darlings. This is the thing that I've noticed. Those pandemic darlings, they kind of fall into one of two categories. So the pandemic darlings, just so everyone knows, these are the stocks that performed very well during the pandemic, during the lockdowns. Peloton. Peloton, iPad on a bike. We're talking DocuSign. We're talking about Teladoc, all these stocks. In fact, there's so many of these tech-driven stocks that did very well in the pandemic. Two types of these stocks exist. The first type, these are the ones who realized, you know, the pandemic will not last forever and so we need to evolve our business. And there's several of those out there and they're great bets for the long run. And then there are the Pelotons that you mentioned that didn't really reinvent itself. that kept doing the same old, same old, whether it's Peloton or Teladoc, they're just the name two. Those are the ones that I think are just, they're going to suffer the most. You can put Robinhood in that same bucket too, Robinhood is not going to be worth anywhere near its IPO price, probably. We'll see. But that, to me, I think is kind of the big story. A lot of investors are scared of the pandemic darlings. I take a different approach. I think it depends on the darling. If the pandemic darling has evolved, if it's moving beyond its traditional revenue source, I kind of like it a bit more. If you look at the Pelotons, ones who haven't evolved, those I would avoid. It's interesting that you use the word story. Because I think this is what happens. So many people come into the stock market. They don't really have any idea of what's going on, but they've got this story. It's like, you know, oh, we've got a pandemic, remote working, work from home is a big thing. So these are the stocks that are going to benefit from that. For yourself, okay, you you might be hearing a story like that, but um, what are the fundamentals that you would look at in terms of valuing some of these stocks and possibly now that they're a bit unloved? Yeah, I got to go with it. PE ratio, that's the number one thing I look at. Um, But then I want to see, you know, debt to income ratio. I want to see, is the revenue going up? If it's a dividend stock, is it a good dividend? Because just because you have a dividend, it doesn't mean it has a good yield. I don't look only at dividend stocks, but if I want to factor that in, it has to be a strong yield. And so I want to take a look at that. Is this a company where it's actually growing? And I don't like to say buy on the dip always, but, you know, you want to buy a stock when it's down. You know, it goes without saying, everyone knows that, but that's just something that 
has struck me as just so important. And that's just something that um, technical analysis comes into it. And this is the, the way I've heard it explained is that fundamental analysis tells you what to buy. Technical analysis tells you when to buy. <laughs> and um, I just wanted to just dwell on that. And again, I'm not a technical analysis expert, but I've read quite a bit about it. And I've got friends who swear by technical analysis. And what they're saying is you're seeing the psychology in the charts. You're seeing the way markets are feeling about charts and just simple concepts about resistance and support, volume, and these kind of things are really important. And this this guest that was on the podcast who was talking about the checklist, he's got one form of technical analysis. And this has changed my life, this technical analysis, because, you know, you usually see these daily charts with candlesticks and you're seeing things in a very focused manner. What that's doing is showing you what's happened yesterday or the last week and nothing much else, where his chart is a five-year line chart monthly, okay? So all he's looking at is the price action of the stock over a five-year period, and he draws these two simple lines through it. It's called the three-point trend line. I mean, it's very difficult in an audio context to explain this, but looking at a chart that way for me has zoomed out for me and made me consider much more about the long-term horizons that are really important. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, Phil, today, you know, we're talking about our experiences that we've had as podcast hosts and talking to different guests as well as our audiences. You mentioned this checklist. So I take it you've used this checklist yourself as an investor. And I guess if that's the case, I guess what are some examples of things that might go on a checklist? Well, to tell you the truth, I don't use the checklist. I've been through it (laughs) many times and have gone through. It's things like what you were talking about, um, price earnings ratio and um, free cash flow strong balance sheets and those kind of things. I think one of the important things is to have a com- to be wanting to be invested in a company that has very strong balance sheet that you don't want a lot of debt. You want a company that when there's a downturn which is we're finding at the moment cash dries up, <laughs> cash just disappears and the companies that have got a good strong balance sheet with a lot of cash on the books they will survive these times because they don't have to go out and borrow money or raise money at um, insane rates. For me, my own personal story, I hate to use the word journey. (laughs) It's so overused. I want to call it the investing safari or Camino, something different. But for me, in my own personal investing, I suffered from what's known as the Dunning-Kruger effect, which many men (laughs) pray to. (laughs) And that's where you basically think you're smarter and know much more than you do. So where I've gone from individual stock picking very poorly for many years, with the assistance, I might add, of a financial professional who should have taught me a few more things, but, you know, really it comes down to me and what I've done, to now 
basically being in broad-based ETFs because I've got six podcasts and it takes up a lot of my time. And I do understand that to pick stocks individually does take a lot of time and I don't really have a lot of time to do that. So I've really pulled back. My own investing is long-term ETF focused. You know, I've got Australian ASX 200 ETF. I've got S&P 500 ETF. got a couple of bond ETFs and some cash and that's basically it. Nice. So that's a nice, smart way to look at the market. A lot of investors, especially beginners, that's a good way to go, especially if you don't have the time to learn stocks or you know I'm a beginner. That's a very smart way. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Absolutely. That is incredibly smart. And it's also, there's so many micro-investing apps these days that are available to make it so easy. I mean, I believe Betterment's one of the bigger ones in the US. Is that correct? Yep. Betterment, Stash, Acorns. These are all some of those apps where you can buy coffee and you can use your spare change to invest in ETF or something. Those apps exist out there for sure. And the magic of compounding as well, the, the absolute magic of compounding. Yes, absolutely. So how about you? Have you made any mistakes investing? <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Lay it on the line now, Stephen. <laughs> I think we always learn from our mistakes. Personally, most of my money also goes into ETFs. Those are the safe accounts. Those are my retirement and tax advantage accounts. I put them in there. But outside of that, I do invest in both the public and private markets. To be honest, my private market accounts, especially in real estate, have actually performed better this year than anything else. But I'd say the biggest mistakes I've made, certainly there have been stocks I bought at wrong times. But I think beyond individual stocks, and I don't mean to disparage the company, but years ago when I was just starting investing, I bought into the whole peer-to-peer model and I invested in Lending Club. Now, did I lose money? No. But did I make money? No. And that, to me, even though I didn't lose anything, it was time wasted with Lending Club I'm not saying peer-to-peer is bad. You know, I've explored other private market opportunities since then that have worked out for me, but I've learned at that point that, you know, just because it's private off-the-market alternatives, which I'm all for, you still just can't expect to have the same type of returns. There is a good amount of risk. You know, I always say that even in the newsletter that we put out for Early Bird, equity crowdfunding, huge fan of that. I think it's a great way if you're looking at alternatives for an investor, small portion of a portfolio. It's one of those options, but there's always a risk because you're investing in a startup. So definitely look at alternatives for your investors. That's what I always recommend for retail investors, for early beginning stage traders, but make sure you know the risk. Crypto is another great example. I'm all for crypto. I have money in crypto, but there are so many scams out there in cryptocurrency. You have to do your homework. The, the great thing about ETFs, for example, If it's a reputable financial institution, you're not going to lose your money in terms of scams. You should be confident in what you're getting with when you have an ETF. And that's kind of what I've learned is make sure you really do your homework when it comes to risk, especially when it's outside the public markets, when you're talking about the private markets, you really need to do your homework there to gauge potential risk. What's an example of one of the most important things that you've learned from a guest that you didn't know about before? Great question. I had a really good guest a few months ago talk about Tesla and Rivian. This guest has a background in valuations and, you know, Tesla and Rivian for the past year or two 
every early stage beginning investor, oh, I love Tesla. I want to put all my money in Tesla. And it's like, no, no, wait, listen to the valuation experts here. They're telling you something mightily important. They are telling you to really look at those valuations. And I, I thankfully never invested in Tesla. Even when it was hot, I avoided it because I just couldn't buy into I couldn't buy into that valuation. It was just, it didn't make any sense. And now the past three months, I don't even want to look at the numbers. It's been awful, Tesla. So that to me was a big lesson I learned. What about psychology? Have you learned anything about psychology? For me, one of the great things that I've learned from a guest, Stanley Teitelbaum, who's coming back on the podcast, and you might be interested in having him on the podcast as well. He's got a great book on psychology of investing. There's so many things that I've learned from him. That's why I'm getting on for a second time because there's so much more to learn. Um, One of the main things is about some of the emotions. And one emotion that I hadn't thought about, which he made very clear, is shame and how much shame can affect, negatively affect your investing. For example, you might feel shame that you've lost money, not even in investing something else, you've lost money because of some other reason. And because of that shame, it drives you to try harder when, as we all know, trying harder doesn't make you a better investor. Yes, trying smarter does, but not that at all. You're right. I think for me, I think there are two things emotionally that comes to my mind. FOMO with younger investors, fear of missing out. Oh, I need to jump on the stock. Everyone else is doing it. I don't think is a good way to invest. But also the Robinhood apps, the gamification side of it. It's almost like it's an addiction for some investors where you're investing and because of the way the app set up, not just Robinhood, but many of those apps where it's like, oh, it's like you're playing a game. There's clearly a psychological component to that. And I just think that, you know, when you're making major financial decisions, including investments, you really need to take a step back and, you know, you can't be emotional about it. You have to be objective. Yep. And that's right, because the emotion comes into it in so many ways. And it's almost the opposite. One of the other things that um, Stanley talked about was the guru effect, where you feel like you need a guru and you've got to follow the guru, which um, led him down the path of some poor decisions with financial advisors for many years. And um, in that episode as well, which I'd commend to listeners, he talks about the seven questions you should ask any potential financial advisor, which kind of cuts to the chase on so many issues there. However, the psychology of gamification is one thing that I think hasn't been studied well enough as well. I mean, because we all know the kind of psychology that goes behind these. It's going to be the same as your gaming app, your betting app. You know, you shouldn't have your trading app next to your gaming app on your phone in any way, shape or form. And I'm just hoping that people get introduced to it. They don't lose too much money but then realise that there's a lot more work to be done, especially now when we're seeing the way markets are moving these days, to learn much more from many of the wise old foxes out there that have got plenty to share with, with investors. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think you know, we're going to look back at this era of new investors in the market and how they got into the market. We're going to learn lots of things. We're going to know some positive things. I think the democratisation of markets, that's a good thing. Of course, but then I think we'll also look back at this era and go, wow, people were led down the wrong path. There were so many scams. There were so many opportunities out there that were lost instead of making it an educational one for investors. You have new investors going in and just, it's not gambling. It's not gambling at all. 
How did you start investing? What was your gateway to investing? Uh, yeah, so several years ago, I first, after inheriting some shares from my family, I wanted to diversify my portfolio. At that point, I just paid off my college loans. I was debt-free, and I developed a savings account and everything. But that was kind of the last component for me personally was investing. So I started investing. It's been six-plus years now of going from brokerage accounts as well as retirement accounts and now the private market the past few years as well. And I think my timing in entering the market, it's interesting because I entered during a bull market, but I also entered into a market where there were more investing opportunities for retail traders than ever. And, you know, that is to me interesting because when I became an investor, for me, I wanted to get as much as a handle as the market as possible, private and public markets. There wasn't really a source for me to do that. If I wanted to get that type of handle, I had to subscribe to multiple newsletters or you had to pay something somewhere. That's why I made Early Bird the newsletter because I was frustrated and I wanted to give my fellow new investors some type of source that was simple, that was easy to read, that was available daily. So that's kind of how I started as an investor. And it's from those frustrations as an investor is kind of where I started Early Bird. It's beautiful, the personalization these days, because as you say, you knew exactly what you wanted to learn. And then that would be what you would share with subscribers, listeners, and so forth. That's what's so beautiful, the customization of investing, because not every style is going to suit every investor. But it sounds like you, from quite an early age, realized that you needed to have your own personal style. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. Past few years, once I was at a place where financially I was sound, I knew that in order to grow wealth, you're going to have to invest. You've got to get used to compound interest and you have to be smart about it. You have to take some risks. I'm young, but you have to be smart about it. And I think information is key when you're talking about investing. You can have all the opportunities, all the apps in the world. If you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know the pulse of the market at that time, it doesn't make any difference. And that's kind of where early bird came from. Mm. Okay. So when you decided to start learning, how did you learn? Was it reading, YouTube videos? YouTube videos, podcasts, reading. I got my hands on everything. And I still subscribe to newsletters. I still listen to podcasts. I still watch YouTube videos. And they're all great. They inform what I produce for early bird. But I don't know. There's just a sense of incomplete out there. You know, like, okay, this information is great, but for me to compile it every day, it would be time consuming. So I just thought, you know, if I could go back in time, if there was a version of me five, six years ago who didn't know anything about trading, never invested in the stock market, never did anything with retirement accounts or ETFs, what would that person like to know? If that person knew nothing about stocks, they just wanted to get on the ground floor and just learn, what would be the best way to reach that person? And it's a newsletter, and it's three minutes or less each day, everything you need to know. And I think what's really interesting about that is I'm still learning as an investor. I've only been doing this for a few years, so 
it's an audience of new investors, but it's also created by a, a new investor as well. So I think it's interesting. So if listeners want to find out more, how can they get in touch? Good question. www.earlybird.email. Earlybird.email. Sign up. Sign up's pretty easy. It's free. And you just put your name and email address right there at earlybird.email. And that's it. That's all you got to do. And it's free, is it, I believe? Yep. Free. The podcast and the newsletter are both free. Fantastic. And um, I'm loving your New York accent. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm originally from New Jersey, but... Ah, okay. Yeah. That's fine too. (laughs) (laughs) Had a few listeners uh, that I've been talking to from New Jersey recently, which has been fun. Nice. I just have one final question for you. And it's the big question for today's discussion. That question is, if you had a cookbook, what would you name that cookbook? Oh, (laughs) can I think about that one for a moment? The Southern Italian Cookbook of Family Strength and Honor. I would buy that book. That sounds interesting. (laughs) There's a whole story behind that. My interest in the region and my family background there, the cooking of the region, it's like the home of what they call the Mediterranean diet or one aspect of the Mediterranean diet, which is supposed to be very healthy for us. Okay, Stephen, thank you very much for appearing on the Stocks for Beginners podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Phil. Thank you. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Stocks for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Stocks for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.